Glory to Jesus Christ. Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish presents Light of the East, a program revealing how the Eastern Catholic Churches have nourished the Roman Catholic Churches and today's world in profound ways through their histories, traditions, mysteries, and spirituality. Hello, I am Father Thomas J. Loya, pastor of Annunciation of the Mother of God Byzantine Catholic Church in Homer Glen, Illinois, and this is a story of the Eastern Churches, an inspiring story of faith, courage, intrigue, mystery, spirituality, dissension, and reconciliation. But most of all, this is an expression of a great experience of faith through our unique divine liturgy. Join with me now as we look toward the Light of the East. Light of the East is also supported by Eastern Christian Publications, where you can find the prayers of the Catholic Byzantine Daily Office at ecpubs.com and by easternchristianmedia.com, a broadband network for you to learn more about the Eastern Catholic Churches. That's easternchristianpublications.com. Glory to Jesus Christ. Welcome to Light of the East. I am Father Thomas Loya, your host. And this is the first day of August. Hard to imagine, but isn't it wonderful, at least for me it is, that the first day of August begins on the first day of the week, the Lord's Day. The Sabbath is actually still Saturday, believe it or not, but Sunday, because of our Lord's resurrection, transcends or supersedes the Sabbath into what we call now the new day or the eighth day. So that is the one we focus on. That's the one in which we rest and play and pray, do all those useless things, things that the world would consider useless, play, pray, and just enjoy. And this is the first day of August, which means the summer is really rolling along, rolling by. I already see in our prairie the changing over from the summer prairie flowers and grasses to little hints of the autumn ones. It's incredible how you can set your watch by God's natural order, by our natural indigenous prairie at our property. I just find it so fascinating to walk through that and see how the, the different flowers and grasses just cycle naturally. Grasses and flowers, our Lord put here, and that's why we have him here. It's part of our sacramental liturgical worldview. But we're also going to begin on this day, this evening actually, since it's Sunday, it can't start until the evening. We're going to begin the fasting, the penitential period, in preparation for the Feast of the Assumption, or as we call in the Byzantine Church, the Dormition of the Mother of God, which is August 15th. So there's a two-week fasting period for that feast day. So this is quite a day, and I'm not finished yet. On a liturgical calendar, it's got a double feast. It's the seven Maccabees, their mother, Solomonia, and Eleazar the priest. Now, these figures come from the Bible in books that are hardly read or not read that much. You don't hear about them that much. A little bit complicated because they're about the history of Israel, a lot of names and dates and so on. But the seven Maccabees, the book of Maccabees is one and two Maccabees. It's about these seven brothers and their mother, Eleazar the priest. So I'm going to read to you a little bit about that from the Synaxarian, which is a book 
that has information for every day of the liturgical year in the Byzantine church. I find it to be wonderful. I read it every day. I learn so much because it gives you the background to the events of that day, the saints and so on. And also it gives some meditation, also gives a homily. But the meditations are, are wonderful. The book is very, very informative. Every family should have it. Every day, there's at least one or more saints or events of salvation, of the whole plan and history of salvation. So today, first of all, as I mentioned, there's two commemorations today. We'll get to the first one, the seven Maccabees. From the Synaxarian, it says that they all suffered for the purity of the Israelite faith under King Antiochus. And they suffered for the great sins of Jerusalem, and especially for the resting away of the high priestly power and the wickedness that ensued. The Lord let loose great calamity on the holy city. Antiochus desired after that to bring the Jews to idolatry in place of their faith in the one living God, and did all he could to end this. He was helped in his intention by several disaffected high priests and elders of Jerusalem. The king once came himself to Jerusalem, and commanded that all Jews eat pork, which was against the law of Moses and was therefore a recognizable sign of apostasy from the Jewish faith. The elder Eleazar, a priest and one of the 70 translators of the Old Testament into Greek, which is known as the Septuagint, refused to eat pork. He was therefore tortured and burned. Returning to Antioch, the king took the seven young men, the Maccabees, and their mother, and you can read about this in 2 Maccabees chapter 6, the seven Maccabean brothers were called Avim, Antonius, Eleazar, Gurias, Usiban, Akim, and Marcellus. Before their mother's eyes, the wicked king tortured her sons, one after the other, flaying the skin from their faces and throwing them into the flames. They all endured torture and death with courage, remaining steadfast in their faith. Finally, their mother, when she saw her three-year-old son in the fire, threw herself into the flames and perished giving her soul into God's hands. They all suffered with honor for their faith in the one living God in about 167 BC. So over 100 years before Christ was born, this event took place, this story. So the seven Maccabeans, their mother, Solomonia, and Eleazar the priest. Big part of Jewish history. In fact, the best way to learn the history of Israel is by the Bible. But we have something else today. The procession of the precious cross. This feast was established jointly by the Greeks and Russians in the time of the Greek Emperor Manuel and the Russian Prince André as a memorial of the simultaneous victories of the Russians over the Bulgars and the Greeks over the Saracens. In both battles, the soldiers carried crosses, from which a heavenly radiance shone forth with the army. It was therefore instituted that on August 1st, the cross be carried from the Church of St. Sophia, first around the interior of the church and then through the streets to give the people the chance to venerate it as a memorial of the miraculous help given by the cross in earlier wars. This was not just any cross, but the true precious cross itself, which was kept in the Church of the Imperial Court. On July 31st, the precious cross was taken from the Imperial Court to St. Sophia's and thence carried through the streets to consecrate the earth and the air. Finally, on August 14th, it was taken back to the church in the imperial palace. Now, St. Sophia, that's Hagia Sophia, the great, great church, meaning holy wisdom, which today the remains of it is in modern-day Istanbul, Turkey. It is a museum gradually being turned back into a mosque. It was originally a Byzantine church, the greatest church ever wrought by the hand of man, I believe. It was incredible. It still is incredible what remains of it. But in 1422, it was taken over by the invading Muslims who turned it into a mosque. And then in the 20th century, the 
leader Ataturk of the Ottomans in Turkey to help keep the peace, basically made Turkey kind of a secular nation. And he said, all right, we're not going to fight over this Hagia Sophia, this church. It's going to belong to no one. It's going to be a museum. So people can still come and enjoy it. Plus, the tourism made a lot of money for Turkey, let's face it. So they wanted to preserve it. But it will not be a Byzantine church or a mosque. Well, under the current head of Turkey, Muslims have pressured him, and he has willingly allowed them to start having Muslim prayer services in Hagia Sophia, which really is a Byzantine church, stolen from the Byzantines, my spiritual ancestors. They should give it back. We built it, not them. They took it over as the spoils of war. It has remained. Many things were whitewashed because Islam does not believe in imagery. So many of the great icons were covered over. And they are being revealed again because, again, it's good for tourism. That's why people come to see this magnificent church. And it is and was a church. So today, the procession of the cross in the Byzantine liturgical calendar commemorates this victory over respective enemies of the Greeks and the Russians. And again, the cross, as it did with Constantine, which is how he converted to Byzantine Christianity and thus allowed it to be in his empire, the Roman Empire, he also saw a miracle of the cross, the cross in the sky when he went to battle. And he won the battle. He attributed that to the blessing of the cross, and he became Christian. We have something else coming up this week. It's always such a rich week in the Byzantine liturgical calendar, even during the so-called ordinary times, because there's always great saints and monks and events that we commemorate, some much more significant than others, called major feast days, but always significant. It's never really ordinary time. So this week, we are going to approach the great, great feast, very dear to the Eastern churches, of the Feast of the Transfiguration of Jesus Christ on Mount Tabor, amidst his three trusty disciples, the privileged ones, actually. I know supposedly privilege is like a bad word now, but privilege has a meaning, and God can privilege anyone he wants. With privilege, though, comes greater responsibility. So, it kind of evens out, since we like everything equal in our culture. He took the privileged disciples, Peter, James, and John, up on Mount Tabor and revealed to them this glorious, glorious image of him, a glorious human, Christ the man, the fullness of the human, the glory of what is to be human, and his divinity. We call this the transfiguration of our Lord. And this transfiguration is very, very dear to the Byzantine spirituality because the spirituality of the Byzantine church, many Eastern churches, is one of continual transfiguration or transformation of the person, all of us. We're always in route. We're never static. And we make a big mistake if we become static or think we've arrived. That's why I always preach in my parish. Do not say, I'm a good person. And maybe you are, but don't say that. You should say you're a sinner always in process, in route to your own redemption. That is actually more accurate. And it'll keep you striving for that goal, that true, ultimate, one and only human destiny for us to grow in holiness, become the fullness of who we are as human beings. And we don't do that by ever being satisfied with where we are. 
doesn't mean we have to be neurotic or flagellate ourselves or feel bad about ourselves. It just means we have to realize that we're always in process. Only God is static because he is perfect. And that's what the icons show. That's why the icons often have what's called a hieratic dimension, which is usually the top half of the icon. And then on the lower half, the narrative or the earthly, where there's lots of movement, a lot of action, a lot of drama, but not so in the upper part. It is static. It is hieratic because God is perfect and unchanging. More about the riches of the Byzantine spirituality and liturgical calendar when we return. I'm Father Thomas Leia on Light of the East. Light of the East mission is Christianity's reunion. And to tell the story of the Eastern lung of the Catholic Church, we need your support. In order to keep Light of the East on the air, you can make a donation now by going to ByzantineCatholic.com. That's ByzantineCatholic.com and then donate securely using any major credit card. With your help, we can keep Light of the East's illumination bright. You are listening to the Choirs of Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Church under the direction of Timothy Woods in Homer Glen, Illinois. This is the music you hear on Light of the East and is sung during the sacred liturgy at Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish. Order online at byzantinecatholic.com. All we ask is a donation of $20 or more, which includes shipping and handling to Annunciation Parish for each Theosis CD. Send a check made out to Annunciation Parish at 14610 Wilcook Road, Homer Glen, Illinois, 60491. And may God grant you. Hi, I'm Bishop Earl Boyer for WJKNAM and W227BYFM, Good Shepherd Catholic Radio in Jackson, Michigan. And you're listening to Light of the East. New from EWTN Publishing, Jesus, the Master Psychologist. Listen to him by Dr. Ray Garendi. In these pages, Dr. Ray explores the teachings of both modern psychology and Jesus Christ to identify the therapy tools worth employing and those we should avoid. He helps us understand that every tool and counseling guideline worth pursuing can find its roots directly in the words of Christ. Dr. Ray's experience as a father of 10 and his mastery of the New Testament enable him to provide recommendations for dealing with numerous daily issues, including transforming your natural qualities into supernatural qualities, methods for overcoming jealousy and other passions, the rearing and benefits of raising problem children, and many others. Jesus, the Master Psychologist. Listen to him by Dr. Ray Garendi. Available now at EWTNRC.com. By Catholic, shop EWTNRC.com. Welcome back to Light of the East. I am Father Thomas Loya, your host. On this August 1st, this first day of the month, which begins on the first day of the week, Sunday, 
the Lord's Day. I think that's pretty providential. I get excited about those kinds of things. See, the liturgical calendar excites me. That's why I use it as a platform a lot on this program, if you haven't noticed. And by the way, this program, I am proud to say, and thanks to you, your support, especially the support you give by just listening and by word of mouth or getting back to us with letters and messages and so on, this program you're listening to is number 880. That's right. We've been at this for a number of years. 880. Now, I am the mouthpiece for it, but the reality of this program is what you don't hear, and that is the work of our producers and engineers. Our original one was Art Clifton, now a blessed memory, and may his memory be eternal. He passed away some years ago, and God sent us an angel in disguise to pick up where Art left off, Armin Chabatari, one of the finest, most experienced, and knowledgeable radio people in America if not the world. And he has been our engineer ever since. So I owe all of this, show number 880, hopefully many more to go, to all of you, to Art Clifton of Blessed Memory, and also to Armin Chabatari. I want to thank one more person, Mr. Charles Cook. He was a friend of Art. And that actually, the truth is, Charles is the one who got us all started here at Light of the East years ago, 880 programs ago. We couldn't imagine that we would have our own program from our own parish of Annunciation. And now that program serves the Eastern churches worldwide. Who would have ever thought of it? You know, there's something about trying to be faithful to God, to hear His way, to hear His voice, to do His will. Because when you try to do that, and it's hard, it's hard for all of us, but when we do it, what happens is, and this is why we should do it, is God opens a door. It's really what it is. He opens a door. He invites. And when we step through that door, we have no idea what's ahead of us. Would I have had any idea walking through the church that one day, and Charles Cook was sitting there praying, that he would say to me, Father Todd, we need to get your liturgy on the radio. More people should know about the Byzantine liturgy. And I didn't think much of that. I thought to myself, well, well, good luck, you know, just kind of moved on. Well, Charles was serious about it, and he pursued it. And then he got his radio guy that he knew, Art Clifton, again, of blessed memory, a marvelous man. And Art went to the local radio station here in Chicago and came back to me and he said to me, Father, I got good news and bad news. The bad news is the radio station said your liturgy is too long for the time slot. That didn't surprise me. That's why I didn't think too much of what Charles said at the beginning. Like, oh yeah, right, we'll have our own radio show. I mean, I appreciated Charles, what he said, but I didn't think much of it at the moment. Then he said, the good news is, Father, there's a half hour time slot. At 11.30, you can have your own program. I couldn't believe it. I never, it never dawned on me. I never thought of that. It's not what I signed up for when I went into the seminary. I just wanted to be a parish priest. I had no idea. Being on the radio? But the idea excited me. I was always into evangelization and getting the word out about our Byzantine church, as I am now. I haven't stopped. And the rest is history. 880 programs later. That's just a little bit of the history of us here at Light of the East started out going to a studio in Chicago on AM radio, and then we got on to some other Catholic stations little by little, many, then got into EWTN, and we thanked them for all that they've done for us. And then we were able to, with the marvels of modern technology, get our own equipment and set up our own little studio right here in my office. So I come to you from the studios of Light of the East here in Homer Glen, Illinois, and the greater Chicago region. Just a little bit of history and my gratitude to all of you and to Almighty God for opening doors that I could never have imagined. 
But in presenting our messages, what I like to do is to present the not only the history and what the Eastern spirituality, Eastern churches are, but also why they're relevant. That's why I'm excited about it, why I want to share it with you. You know, good news is something that we share. Joy is not joy unless it's really shared. So the first thing I want to do is tell somebody about something wonderful, isn't it? Well, that's, that's what I'm like. Well, in this case, it's about the riches of the church, east and west, west too, but primarily east. And I want to share gifts of the Eastern Church in regard to, as I mentioned, to make things very relevant, in regard to a very difficult, difficult problem we battle in our world today. Something I hear often in the confessional, and that is the problem of lust and pornography. How can the Eastern churches, the spiritual of the Eastern churches, help with this very, very tenacious addiction and problem in our culture? Remember, the riches of the church are relevant. They give us the answer. They give us the blueprint. We just have to dip into them and understand them. Those are the two problems. We don't dip into them enough, maybe because we don't understand them enough. They're not presented well enough. I don't know which is the chicken, which is the egg, but we need to use the church. I tell people, make your faith work for you. Make God work for you. Put God to work for you. Put your faith to work for you. Make things happen with it by really applying it, understanding it first, seeing its relevancy, and really applying it. So what does the Eastern spiritually have to offer? The Eastern spirituality have to offer for this battle of lust and pornography. Largely, it's a battle for men, but not exclusively, of course. The reason why it's a battle for men more so than women, and again, I don't mean there's a great difference, but there's something significant in the battle of men, because men are designed by God to be very visual. It has a lot to do with their calling as men, defenders, protectors, seeing the point of things, the enemy coming over the hill. In other words, their, their eye-mind coordination is very sharp, very developed, very quick. And also, because men are designed to act externally, act upon things. And also, as a point of fact, the sex drive in men tends to be at a, a higher idol most of the time than it is for women, because women have different cycles. And so when women are ready, the man has to be ready. So he's always ready, basically. It's part of his design. So there's a lot of reasons why this is a greater challenge for men. But also, the devil knows these things. The devil knows what I'm talking about. And so the devil is going to go after our weakest spots, which is actually our greatest spots, just that they, precisely because they're great, in other words, our desire, our acknowledgement of the beauty of man and woman, the beauty of human sexuality, of love and marriage that God designed, our ability to be sensitized to that also becomes our vulnerability, and the devil goes after that. And so he preys upon men, especially in our culture, especially through visuals, through soft porn and hardcore porn. Hardcore porn is the hardest addiction to overcome. So what do the Eastern churches do? What do they have to offer? For one thing, they have icons. I recommend, as do other psychologists that I know of, I recommend that men keep an icon on their phone and by their computer so that when they are tempted to go there, because those are the two greatest sources of pornographic imagery, that's why it's so attainable today, so easy to fall into. It's right there. It's served up to us on a silver platter in the form of phones, iPhones, and computers. What will happen is since we use those so much, we go to them so much, and they're so easy it's so easy to suck us into worlds that they provide that are not good for us or they waste time and we become addicted. So if you put an icon there, 
when you go to your computer or phone and you're going there because you are feeling tempted by the demon of lust, when you look at that icon and keep looking at it, it'll help to deflect that lustful energy building up in you. Yes, it actually does. You can always accompany that with a prayer. The other aspect, and it's related to icons, is that the vision of the church, its architecture, its liturgy, and its art, gives us the right view of things. You see, pornography is about seeing, but in the wrong way. So the restoration to overcome pornography is to learn how to see, but in the right way, because then you don't want the wrong way. Pornography can actually morph the mind. Well, so can the right vision morph the mind in a good way. In other words, actually form the mind along good ways, chaste ways. And the art, the architecture, the sanctity of it all, the transcendence that is there, the integration of it all gives us a sense of what real beauty is. It gives us a sense the invisible God become visible. And therefore we should see all of life in that incarnational Eucharistic mystical way. And if we do, that will include our human sexuality, our bodies, our persons as male and female. So in other words, we form, literally form our brain, the way it perceives and processes things, especially visually or through the other senses. We actually can morph it, conform it into having an appetite for what is true, good, and beautiful and being repulsed by that which is not true, good, and beautiful, such as pornography and lust. It can actually happen. Remember, we are what we eat, and that means not just food. Visually, through our ears, what we smell, what we take in intellectually forms us. So the Eastern churches offer us a way to see the right way through the iconography, art, liturgy, to see the invisible God made visible and to live according to that vision. It's very strong in the Eastern churches. The icons can deflect negative energy. So learn about this by listening to our program and make it work for you. Thank you for listening. I'm Father Thomas Loya on Light of the East. To hear Light of the East again, visit byzantinecatholic.com and click on the Features and Programs tab and on iTunes. Thank you for listening to Light of the East. We encourage you to tell a friend about Light of the East and to visit byzantinecatholic.com. Light of the East is produced by ADC Media. News from around the world as it happens. Religious liberty, immigration, prayer, plus daily reports from the White House, Capitol Hill, and Rome. Get the Catholic News perspective on the things that impact your life on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Thank you for listening. Next week, we will return to the light of the East. To learn more about Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish, visit our website, byzantinecatholic.com, where you will also find an archive of all of our programs. In order to continue Light of the East with its mission of Christianity's reunion, we need your support with a donation. Any amount will be a blessing. Please make out a check to Light of the East Radio and send it to Light of the East, 14610 Will Cook Road, Homer Glen, Illinois, 60491. That's Light of the East, 14610 Wilcook Road, spelled W-I-L-L-C-O-O-K Road, Homer Glen, Illinois. Or donate online on the homepage of ByzantineCatholic.com. From the Light of the East, a new dawn of unity is in sight. God bless you, go with God, and may God grant you many happy years. Oh!